Heavenly Father, as we open your word, Lord, give us sensitive and receptive hearts and minds to hear from your word and your spirit, to be encouraged and equipped in all areas of life to live kingdom first, every day of every week of every year, for the honor and glory of our King. Amen. Please be seated. I'm being uh, signaled by like 14 people right now. You forgot to pass the basket. All right, go ahead and grab the baskets. Those cards that are in those baskets, you can take one of those and put prayer requests on them. When the offering basket comes along later in the service, you can drop those in there. We have made it to the end of the book of James, 13 weeks, and here we are at the end. And the last thing we're going to cover, the topic for today, assumptions. What are some of the things that we assume, either consciously or unconsciously, that may impact our walk with the Lord. On October 16th of this year, in the UK, a police officer pulled into a parking lot, pulled right into a spot in the front, clearly marked for parents. Both cops got out of the car and took off. Well, somebody witnessed that. And there's a lot of issues right now in the media about the police and whether they're being fair with people and all this kind of stuff. And somebody was very upset. And they wrote a note. They put it on the police officer's car. And the note said something along the lines of, nice child, Mr. Police Officer. Good job. And left it on there. Well, they found the note. The note was actually posted and then an explanation was given. Police officers were responding to two different things that were happening. One, a man who had fallen and had a head injury and was in need of help soon. And number two, a child who was missing from his home right near where, the police, where this parking lot was at. Assumptions that we make. Here's what I know about myself. I am prone to make the worst ones. My assumptions tend to be negative. If I had seen the police officer pulling into that spot, I may have thought a similar thing. Instead of going, now, maybe there's a real legitimate reason for this taking place, I might have thought abuse of power. I definitely think that way when I'm having conversations. I'll have a friend who might say something and I'm more prone to get offended by it rather than to go, maybe they didn't mean what I think they meant. And then, you all know this because I've said it about 20 times during this 13-week thing here. Man, when I'm on the road, I always assume everybody's an idiot. They're all mean. They never have reasons. 
the assumptions that we make. Question is, what kind of assumptions are we making about God and about our relationship with God? And how are those assumptions impacting us? Open your Bible, if you would, to James chapter 5. We are at the end. James chapter 5, verse 13. Hopefully I will not start crying as I read this and think of Anton reading it. <laughs> Is any one of you, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. All right, think of this in a spectrum, okay? Suffering here is a very broad word. It refers to physical, emotional, spiritual. It's a very broad word. If you are suffering, that's one side of the spectrum. Pray. Here's the other. Is anyone cheerful? Again, broad word. But it's over on the other side of the spectrum. Things are going well. I'm happy. Life's good. What are we to do at that point? Let him sing praise. Here's what I want you to notice where James is going. Here is the assumption, and at first you might go, well, I don't make that assumption. Here's the assumption I think unconsciously many of us, myself included, make. God is distant. And here's what I mean by that. James is saying, if things are going wrong, go to God, because he's there. If things are going right, praise God because he's a part of it. You remember the all, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That God is a part of the entire spectrum of what we are going through. That he is there. In fact, not only is there, he keeps going to give us a little more advice, a little more counsel, direction. Is anyone among you sick? Now, this is a little more specific. This usually is a physical ailment. Um, it can include others, but it's usually a physical ailment. Um, if anyone is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. When things are bad, when you are feeling awful, well, call those other people because God is with them too. Let the elders come and pray for you so that God will work in your life because God is there in all facets. God is there. And when I say there's an assumption that God is distant, I know in my own life there's far too much time I'm not thinking about God. There's far too many things in my life that happen that I'm not thinking about God being a part of it. Now, why does that matter? Let me illustrate it this way. So a couple of days ago at breakfast, my five-year-old walks into the room. My seven-year-old is having breakfast, and he walks up to him, and he goes, <sighs> just breathes on him, you know, which six o'clock in the morning, you know what your breath is like, right? And he's like, Nala! and my daughter goes, Killian, that's mean. Killian's like, Pff. he goes, no, that's a mean thing to do. He's like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. That is mean. You shouldn't be doing that. And Killing goes, well, he's mean and annoying. I don't get to even be one of them. <laughs> I just love how kids think. <laughs> My kids 
think about things in ways that I know I used to think about things. And I, we came into that, by the way, that had nothing to do with what I'm gonna illustrate, I just needed to say it. My kids are in the illustration, but it was funny. Um, we walk into the house and I say to my boys, somebody needs to feed the dog. Well, I did it last time, well, I did it this time, and they start this kind of bicker, I'm like, somebody just feed the dog. So it's not a big deal. And they're like, feed the dog. And so finally, one of them starts walking towards the door to feed the dog as if I just told him to like refinish the entire cabinetry in the kitchen. He's like, Ugh. Now, my typical response is to lose it, total impatience, start yelling, go after them. This one instance, and it's because this happened, right, you remember last week I talked about patience? Yeah. I was prepping for that. So this one instance, I'm like, both of you go to your room now. I fed the dog, they went to the room. I let myself calm down. And I went and I had a conversation, and this is how my conversation went. I said to my son, the, the food that you eat at the table, where does that come from? I know that for you, it's all magic, and like you sit down and boom, food is there. But do you realize that your mom and your dad go to work, they go to the store, they prep the food, they even put it on the plate for you and carry the plate to the table most of the time. What's your role in that? You eat it, that's it. All right, let's talk about your clothing for a minute. Where's your clothing come from? Do you also know that it doesn't magically fold itself and go into your drawer that somebody actually does that? And it's not you? Where does that come from? Now, and my point to him was just one thing, but I want to share something that I realized as I was doing it. My point to him was, I'm not asking you to do all of these things. I don't even want you to feel guilty about it. I'm happy to do this for you. But when I ask you to do something as small as go and feed the dog, can you at least have a good attitude toward that? Now, my seven-year-old said, yeah, I can. You're right. He got it at least in that minute, that moment. <laughs> Here's what I know. I was the same when I was a kid. I never thought about everything my parents did. I never thought about my parents. I never even thought about them. Like, in fact, I just complained about them working. I never considered the fact that if they didn't work, we wouldn't even have a roof over our head. What I didn't realize is how involved my parents were in my life in a bunch of ways I never thought about. They were there all the time, providing and loving and, and just there when I needed something. And they were just there. And I didn't realize it. And you know what happened in my kid and in me when I didn't realize it? I took it for granted. And he took it for granted. And I had wrong attitudes. What do you think is happening when we don't realize how much God is a part of our lives? How much he's in there in the good and the bad that he wants us to come to him no matter what is going on. When we don't recognize how close he actually is, then we can become the same. We can take him for granted. We can take our stuff for granted. We can have wrong attitudes about things because we don't realize the gifts that he's giving. 
We don't realize how much he does in our lives. God is not distant. But when we unconsciously make the assumption that he is, it has ramifications in our lives. God is not distant. Number two, keep reading. Verse 15, and the prayer of the faith and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. If you happen to write in your Bible, just underline that part, with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Here's a second assumption I think a lot of us make. Again, unconsciously, most likely. I don't think we're writing a note and putting it on God's windshield that we actually think this. I think it's unconscious in our actions. God has favorites. God listens to some people more than other people. And quite often, I'm not the one. That the prayers of certain people are better than the prayers of other people. That God has favorites. Now, notice in this passage, you do have James saying, go to the elders and let them pray for you. And we'll come back to that. But notice what follows. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That all of us are called to pray for each other. Not just the elders. Not just the pastors or the priests, the clergy. We're all called to pray for each other. And you keep reading, and you may, like me, read this and think, well, this is not me. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Yo, I believe that 100%. If only I were a righteous person. Right? You are. That's the problem. We don't think of ourselves in the way that God is thinking of us. And so then you get this passage where it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You're trying to tell me that Elijah was like me? There is no way. Elijah is this amazing prophet. He called fire down from heaven. He rode a chariot up to heaven. I mean, come on, this is Elijah we're talking about. Yeah, he's just like you. God doesn't have favorites. All people can pray. All Christians are righteous because of Christ. And here's how we need to see it, okay? Deacon Lori and I are gonna do some artwork. Actually, she's gonna do some artwork. I'm gonna do, I don't know what it's gonna be. But I wanna demonstrate to you what this is like. We are going to both draw horses, right? Ready? All right, here we go. We're gonna draw horses.
boom, I won, I got it. Oh, she's still going. Um, all right, I guess if she's still going, I should still be going. She's the artist. Um, oh, ears. Oh, there we go. Okay. There, two eyes and a mouth and... Wait. <laughs> okay, I think we... <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, can I see your, your utensil here, your, your object? Hey, this is what I want you to, to see, right? Um, I, let's just first compare. Everybody notice the difference? Okay. Um, here's what they were drawn with. The exact same instrument. It's not the instrument that made the picture what it is. It's the artist. You and I are the instruments. God's the artist. In our praying, it's not about us. It's not about your exact words. It's not about where you're at. Or it, it, it's about him. He's the one that is working through the prayers. You and I are just the instruments. And so you don't need to worry about the fact that your horse might look like that if you did it on your own. Because I'll tell you what, if the prayer is based on me and what I can do, it's going to look like that. In fact, it's probably going to look worse than that. It's not. It's him. God doesn't have favorites. God uses all of us. In church, prayer is powerful. This is part of our God being distant thing. When, the, when you unconsciously think of God being distant, you're also not going to pray much. You're not going to be seeking God much. You're going to seek him when somebody says to you, maybe will you pray for me? But even that, let me ask you, how many times have you said this? I will pray for you and you never did. Part of that is because there's an unconscious assumption that God is distant. Because I guarantee you, if you were thinking of God being right here with you all the time, it'd be a lot harder not to pray. Because he's right there. But he is right there. <laughs> We need to be a praying people. We need to recognize that our God is not distant, but he is close. And we need to recognize that the prayer of a righteous person and you're a righteous person. In fact, I'm gonna ask you right now to do something that's gonna be exceedingly uncomfortable for most of you. I want you to raise your hand if you are a righteous person. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your hand is up because of him, not because of you. And you know what? If your hand isn't up, then you need to know the Lord Jesus because it's his righteousness that we get. And that's how we have to understand it because that's how he sees us. And it doesn't mean that we don't grow. It doesn't mean that we don't mess up. It don't mean, doesn't mean we don't confess our sins. But it means in him we are righteous. And we approach our Father, not fearfully, 
not thinking he's pointing a finger of judgment at us, but that he's our father. And that the Lord Jesus Christ is in everything necessary that we can be in relationship with him. And he wants us to be with him. And so we pray. You know, I asked Lori if she would bring, here's a, a slightly different instrument. Um, it could do a, a little bit of a different thing. You could still draw. I mean, you can still do things with it, but there's, there's some things that it might be used for that are a little different. Um, and the reason I asked her is I want to make this point. There is a role for clergy. It's just not the role that most people think of. Far too many people think that only the clergy can pray or that somehow God hears the clergy more than he would hear somebody else. Um, that's not it. I would ask you to think of it along the lines of this. Imagine that you get a boo-boo. Have you had a boo-boo recently? Probably didn't call it that, but you used to or your parents used to. You get a boo-boo. Do you know that you can be comforted pretty much by all kinds of people? Who do you want to be comforted by? Your parents, right? You want your dad, you want your mom, and it's not because they're the only ones that can do it. It's because there's a very special place that they hold as your parents. The same thing is true of your clergy. We are here to be your pastors. We are here to love you in a way that we put our whole life into. We can't necessarily do it better, but you can find a certain comfort in the fact that I or Lori, whoever is your pastor. And you may want to come and you say, I want you to pray for me. Not because the prayer is more effective, but because I'm your pastor. And you can get comfort in that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are also ways in which God has wanted to use the clergy. We will never invite anybody to come up here and to do the Eucharist if you're not a priest. It's part of our economy. It's part of the way that we see how things work. It's not because I'm better than you or I'm higher than you or God likes me more or anything else. It is a role, it is an office that I have. When we get to the uh, communion, we're gonna offer everybody in the church the chance to be anointed with oil. But Andy and I are going to do it because we represent your elders in our particular way of seeing things. We're your priests. And so we're going to do that. You as a lay person, can pray, and you can pray just as well as I can. God will hear your prayer just like he hears my prayer. There's also nothing wrong with saying, I want to come to my pastor because I want some prayer or I want to talk about some things. I want to get some comfort. Lastly, I think there is an assumption at times that some people are too far gone. That some people aren't worth it anymore. They've done too much. Sometimes we think of ourselves that way. Sometimes we think maybe we have gone too far. What use am I to God? Finish up here, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. The assumption in James's mind 
is that you can be brought back. And, and there's nothing in there to qualify that. No matter what has happened or what you have done or how far you've strayed or how long you've been away, somebody can still bring you back. The, the pathway to God remains open until you breathe your last breath. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Praise the Lord. And you know what? Notice the, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders, and then let him, if someone brings him back, notice it can be anybody. Any one of us might wonder, and any one of us might help bring somebody back. Again, it's not just the role of the priest. It's not the professional. It's not the guy who went to seminary. It's not the gal who knows all the apologetics. Anybody can bring someone back. It's the heart and the prayer and the willingness to be used by God. It's the heart that would have enough compassion to say, I wanna help bring this person back. Even when that person might have done something, what if it's to you? Then it gets even more challenging. But anybody could come back and God can use any person to bring them back. You might have heard the story of Adam Brown, a SEAL 6 team member who died in 2010. But his story is fascinating because he grows up in a Baptist home. He looks to be almost a straight-A student, respectful of his elders, all of these things. He ends up going into the SEALs and in training, he gets a knife in an, in an eye. Later on, he gets an eye shot out. He gets a hand destroyed, loses his dominant hand and his dominant eye, and still just keeps going. He's the only SEAL member to actually pass everything in his condition. Sharpshooter with one eye that wasn't his dominant eye. I mean, just an incredible story. But here's the interesting part right in the middle. There was a girlfriend that led him into drugs and bad, hooked on crack cocaine. For a period of his life, you would just find him in coke houses on the floor. When they eventually found him, the cops, he had sliced himself he had 11 counts against him. Life was just ruined. Went into rehab, ended up in jail. But Kelly, who would become his wife, helped lead him back to Christ. Even after all of this mess that was his life had become, she helped lead him back to Christ and Guys that were in his unit talk about the fact that he would talk about his faith. One Thanksgiving while he was in Afghanistan, he got a hold of his wife and he said, I need shoes. Their church sent 500 shoes to Afghanistan and he walked the village door to door giving shoes to the kids. 
This is a guy that was on the floor because of his addiction, completely turned away from God. But anyone can be brought back. And God can do amazing things through anybody, even those who have wandered from the faith. His wife, Kelly, was interviewed after he had died. Because after everything they went through, um, he was deployed multiple times. She was raising kids on her own. Um, anytime he'd come back, she would gather the kids, get to him, and spend as much time with him as possible. And when he died, she had to deal with the grief and everything else. And this is what she said got her through. The prayers of all the people around me. They kept bringing me back to God because prayer is a powerful thing. We want to be the people God wants us to be? It will be through prayer. The compassion, the power, the mercy, the love, the sacrifices, all of it, it will be through prayer. And when it is not through prayer and it's on our own, it will burn us out, it'll make us bitter, because we won't have the strength we need to do the kinds of things that God calls us to. Three assumptions. God is distant, he is not. God has favorites, he does not. There are people that are too far gone. There are not, not with our God. Our God is here with us, hears all of us, and there is nobody that is too far gone for our God not to bring back. Let's be a praying people. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you would use us in all of our brokenness, all of our failures, all the times we've wandered away, all the things we don't have right, all the answers that we get wrong or we don't know, and yet, you are our Father. And in Jesus, we have righteousness. And you want to use us, and you want to walk with us, and you want to be with us all the time. Lord, help us to be more cognizant of your presence. And to be praying people, willing to go anywhere you call us. In the name of Jesus, amen.